Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman. Palestinians are protesting across the West Bank. In major cities like Ramallah and Hebron, people have been turning out to demonstrate against the Palestinian Authority after anti-corruption activist and parliamentary candidate Nizar Banat died in PA custody. Banat was reportedly brutally beaten by security forces during his arrest last week. These demonstrations come at a critical juncture for Palestinians and the PA. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas, in power for over 15 years, scheduled, and then cancelled, new presidential and parliamentary elections earlier this year. The war in Gaza last month boosted the popularity of Hamas at the expense of Abbas's Fatah party, prompting more PA repression against dissenters in the West Bank. In other words, Banat's death did not happen in a vacuum. To help us better understand what's going on, we're joined today by Ibrahim Idalalsha. Ibrahim is the director of the Horizon Center for Political Studies and Media Outreach, a think tank in Ramallah. He served for two decades as a senior advisor to the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem, worked for UNRWA and the National Democratic Institute, and worked on peace negotiations in the 1990s. Ibrahim, thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me. Let's take a step back. I mentioned just before some of the developments of the past couple of months with the PA. Tell us a little bit about the Palestinian public's attitude toward the Palestinian Authority and President Abbas on the eve of Nizar Banat's death. First of all, uh, good evening, good, good morning. If you're uh, actually on the other side of the uh, ocean, again, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I can tell you uh, basically um, the uh, known uh, secret that the Palestinian uh, street ha- has actually been overwhelmed with sense and state of uh, frustration. Um, and I would actually even uh, say uh, the uh, signs of division between the West Bank and Gaza, Hamas and Fatah have been at the uh, highest uh, peak, creating lots of internal uh, tensions and lots of uh, you know, accusations and recriminations between the two sides, some of it public, some of it private, but basically all over, overwhelming the, uh, the general, uh, if you like, mood of the, uh, of the Palestinian uh, street. And, you know, the, uh, I would say that, you know, some people actually attribute that in part to, uh, you know, several factors. One of them is like, uh, you know, the, the fact that elections were scheduled and then actually was canceled. Uh, or postponed indefinitely in those uh, specific terms uh, that actually uh, contributed to a deeper sense uh, of frustration that there is no imminent uh, uh, change that is coming up um, and that we are actually going on um, on uh, a road that does not, you know, like on a dead-end kind of road that does not really have any uh, prospects or hopes for uh, an internal or for the uh, ending the internal division between the two uh, main factions that are controlling the, the Palestinian street. On the side of it, there were, you know, uh, very, um, I would say, serious uh, allegations uh, by activists, uh, not only Nizar Benat, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, but by others, on certain behaviors of the Palestinian uh, Authority. Uh, and I would say, uh, you know, some of it was basically underlined by the level of deep distrust rather than actual facts. Um, you know, for example, the uh, vaccination, the famous vaccination deal between the uh, Palestinian Authority and Israel, where the Palestinian Authority was reportedly 
allegedly, um, you know, importing uh, expired vaccinations from Israel just to throw them uh, into, uh, you know, like uh, the Palestinian public for the sake of uh, making, uh, you know, personal profits by some officials. Again, some of these uh, uh, allegations were never verified, were never actually established. Uh, but the general mood was that of frustration, deep distrust, uh, and as such, everything that was being put out there uh, created uh, even a, a deeper level of, uh, of frustration. So that's, in, in, uh, in a sense, how uh, you know, the mood was uh, like, in addition to you know, the, the conflict between Hamas and, and Israel. Uh, and that conflict, uh, unlike previous confrontations between the two sides, was basically highlighted as a conflict over Jerusalem and as such attracted uh, you know, more even Palestinian public to support it uh, in the West Bank uh, uh, than uh, classical or like than typical cases of confrontations that happened in the in the past between the two sides, focusing on Gaza issues. This one was more seen as a broader national issue that Palestinian uh, public, uh, because of the situation in Jerusalem, because of Aqsa Mosque-related, uh, you know, sensitivities, uh, people were um, on the, if you like, uh, the high side of supporting an armed uh, uh, conflict with Israel, uh, believing that this was you know, uh, the right thing to do in the context of a uh, fight over uh, Jerusalem, if you will. All these complexities basically were in the shadow on, on or in the, uh, you know, overwhelming the public in the, uh, just on the eve of the Nizar uh, Banat uh, death. Speaking of Nizar Banat, this activist and parliamentary candidate, what can you tell us about his activism and why did the PA come after him? Banat was basically uh, uh, an activist on social media. And, you know, it, it depends how you basically look at it. I guess from a Palestinian perspective, you have many critiques of the PA who saw of him uh, as a brave, bold uh, critique uh, of uh, focusing almost entirely on PA corruption, uh, PA performance, uh, including uh, in, in terms of relations with Israel, with the U.S., in terms of economic issues, financial issues, governance issues, administrative issues. And he was, you know, like out there on, on, on his personal Facebook page. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, Palestinian authorities saw of him as a very serious, if you like, troublemaker. And one of the, you know, objectively now, uh, I would actually say that I personally, you know, like watching some of the videos that we have uh, put out there, uh, they were not substantiated by evidence, if you will. Like, you know, this guy would come out and that's, uh, you know, his right. But I think in certain uh, um, uh, in certain aspects or areas of criticism, he would like cross, uh, you know, certain red lines, which I think angered, uh, you know, Palestinian authority. And by, by crossing red, li you know, red lines, I would actually say that, you know, leveling accusations saying, you know, Hamad uh, Ishtay is a thief. Uh, uh, that's why he did this uh, vaccination uh, Pfizer campaign with Israel, because he wants to stop, uh, you know, uh, few uh, millions of dollars and buy his uh, daughter's, uh, you know, uh, new cars or new, uh, you know, uh, fancy luxurious uh, cars at the expense of the Palestinian people and, and on and on. I, I think, you know, some people tolerated this. Some people actually view that as uh, uh, fair criticism because of, again, the sense of very deep distrust uh, that the people have in the PA uh, and, and PA in general and PA government in specific, uh, sort of like performance and activities, uh, lack of transparency. Uh, mismanagement, if you will, on, on many other uh, issues. But I think 
you know, he managed to anger enough uh, number of uh, people. Uh, according to my knowledge, there were even, you know, some senior uh, people, mid-level people who actually lodged complaints uh, against them on slander, defamation, and tried to, uh, you know, address address it uh, through those channels. But uh, you know, he was arrested a few times, and there, you know, there was no never a trial, uh, you know, if you like, on, on those kind of charges. Uh, he continued to uh, go out, including the last video. I think that. Uh, uh, that was uh, subject of uh, criticism. The, the PA was actually on the Pfizer campaign, uh, the Pfizer uh, uh, vaccination deal, uh, with very serious uh, allegations to very senior uh, people. Uh, three days after, two days actually after that uh, video uh, or that uh, uh, sort of public criticism was put out there, uh, you know, he was uh, arrested and things went uh, uh, the way and subsequently died, of course. Uh, and subsequently, you know, we had those protests and extension of the crisis. I would actually say that Nizar Banaf, after his death, is much more famous and prominent than he was during uh, his lifetime and, you know, even when he was actually out there criticizing the PA. Uh, and that, I think, is one of the things that one would, uh, one would think that the PA would conclude from this whole thing is that when you highlight and focus uh, 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 all uh, sort of institutional, if you like, efforts to pursue someone, uh, uh, whether he was uh, doing it right or doing it wrong, you basically create a much bigger problem uh, than it is. That's even an objective assessment. Again, I'm not a mouthpiece of the PA, I'm not a spokesperson of his family or the activists who support him, but I think objectively that's, that's exactly what happened, is that he became much more prominent. His videos were, are now seen by millions rather than a few thousands, as was the case before. Whatever you think of the substance of what he was saying, though, I don't think anyone would say that the PA's response arresting and, and beating him is justified. On the other hand, this authoritarian behavior from the PA isn't really anything new. So what was it about Nizar Banat's death that drew people out into the streets this time? Uh, I think it's more about the fact that you are talking about Again, uh, uh, the underlying principle here is that you're talking about freedom of expression, and you're talking about brutal incidents where this guy, whether premeditatedly, uh, uh, you know, there was a plan to actually assassinate him or kill him, and there is no evidence to substantiate that. But you know, on the other hand, he was he died, and there are uh, uh, very clear and preliminary reports and signs saying that he was beaten to death. Um, that I think angered uh, not only. You know, uh, small circles around Benet and his family, which incidentally, I want to tell you, you know, some of, uh, you know, the, the complexities of the Palestinian situation. That this guy, like, he, a critique of the PA, on the other hand, his brother, his own brother, is a PA security officer. Um, you know, the family, if you will, are basically divided. So this is Benet's brother, is a Palestinian Authority security officer. Correct, yes. I'm just describing, I mean, that's not a unique situation. We, I mean, you know, the Palestinian, you know, uh, situation is so complex and it's a small society and community. And in many ways, you have that kind of example repeating itself, even at the most senior levels of leadership and the, you know, rank and file. Benat himself was an average, I mean, you know, like he's a, he's a BA graduate, but he works as a, uh, uh, he's a, you know, a bachelor's degree graduate, but he works as a carpenter. He's on average, he is not, you know, um, a sophisticated, threatening, uh, sort of like uh, uh, um, uh, full of, uh, you know, like uh, 
a conspiracy plot against the PA. He was like just, you know, saying things the way he was, maybe too bluntly, maybe, uh, you know, uh, unsubstantiated, you know, throwing out unsubstantiated reports and all of that, which angered them. Uh, but I think there was um, a state, and that's where the complexity comes in. Uh, I think people identifying with Nizar uh, Benatke's sympathized with Nizar uh, Benatke's with the announcement of his death, and they did not accept. In fact, you know, there was no real official version. I mean, you know, the, the way that this whole thing was handled by the Palestinian Authority, in my opinion, has aggravated and worsened the situation because there was no official version, at least not for the first two days of his death, except for a very brief statement saying he was arrested and he subsequently collapsed and died, which created even more serious uh, uh, concerns about the exact circumstances. Uh, you know, family members who were with him during the arrest have came out and publicly stated what happened, giving the version of him being beaten brutally, uh, you know, to death. And, you know, this created a, a large sense, I would say, uh, support and sympathy uh, to uh, the case. But it's not only that, you know, to be fair and to be objective, uh, you know, we had also other elements who jumped on this um, and wanted to use this, which I think also, in addition to mismanagement, mishandling of the case by the Palestinian Authority. You know, there were also opponents, political opponents, including Hamas, including Hezb al-Tahrir, uh, who has like the Hafid in, in Hebron, who participated in the funeral, and they raised slogans to topple the PA, political uh, sort of like regime for system of government and for, for, for President Abbas to leave the scene, turning this into much bigger than it actually is. This is not just, so the, the scene was, that this is not just, you know, a case of uh, possible police or, you know, security brutality against a Palestinian citizen and freedom of expression, but in fact, you know, this is becoming a more critical plot to uh, to topple the PA, at least from the PA uh, perspective. That's how it was seen. And yes, it was dominated by Hamas. Yes, there were Hamas flags all over the uh, the funeral for thousands and thousands of people who participated in it. Hezbi Tahrir was a hostile entity, non-violent, but hostile entity to the PA, held two big rallies on their own without, you know, interacting with other factions, one in Ramallah and one in Hebron, also with thousands of their supporters calling to topple the PA and, you know, doing all uh, uh, kind of provocations, at least at the rhetorical level, uh, which widened and, and worsened uh, uh, the crisis. Um, you know, in addition to those two, uh, you know, factors of players, you also had the average civic uh, human rights uh, groups, uh, leftists, uh, average Palestinians, uh, journalists, and others who were basically uh, out there uh, protesting without having, you know, sort of a hidden agenda to talk to the PA as such, uh, but basically were caught in the middle of this. And where, uh, you know, between the PA's perspective and conspiracy developed theory that this is a Hamas plot to talk to the PA, and those who are actually calling for a fair uh, public trial of the perpetrators of this crime, uh, we got into a very uh, uh, confusing and a very disturbing uh, uh, situation. So is there anything more that the average protester is calling for in addition to what you've laid out, an investigation, a trial of the perpetrators, some kind of justice for Nizar Banat? Those you listed that way, I think, you know, are the where the initial and preliminary, preliminary if you will, demand uh, of people, institutions, uh, civil society institutions, activists, uh, and continue to be. 
Uh, I think the divergence took place where, you know, the other factors or the other players came in, uh, uh, which is like Hamas uh, line, line, and others who wanted to divert this using, you know, some of the demonstrations that were happening mainly in Ramallah and Hebron to actually call for, uh, for toughening the period. That created the complexity. But I think what you listed is basically the, the, the fair and general demand, not only that they want uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, fair public trial uh, um, and, uh, uh, you know, compensation condolences to the family, uh, uh, you know, from the PA officially holding its responsibility for, uh, for, for what happened. Uh, you know, the, the, I think, you know, behind it also stands calls for serious reform in the PA system uh, that would actually, you know, these kind of practices would not repeat course. Uh, that the security forces and the security services would actually uh, be held uh, accountable to a point that there will be a deterrence factor so that these, you know, these kind of practices would not repeat themselves. So, you know, it's a, it's a whole package. Now, this, again, I think, you know, was distorted by the political players who wanted to turn this into, you know, what appears to be from a Palestinian authority perspective. And I'm not defending, you know, how they actually say it. I think that they are exaggerating in this sense. Uh, you know, by the slogans that were uh, out there, toppling uh, uh, the fear and toppling the president. I, I, you know, I frankly, you know, th this is not a situation where you have hundreds of thousands of people uh, marching in the streets uh, or holding protests to topple the fear. I mean, that is not what is happening. What is happening is that we had uh, angry, emotional eruption over uh, Nizar Benat's death. Uh, divided into, you know, the three, uh, if you like, players or categories I described to you, uh, to you earlier. And, you know, the, the PA acted very angrily, if you will, when those slogans were put in Manara Square, uh, and marches, uh, or marches started to go to, uh, to, um, you know, march towards Mufatah, which is the presidential headquarters. Uh, and there was an exaggeration in the way that they actually refused or dispersed, uh, you know, those demonstrations. And since then, actually, the last one was in Sunday, since then, things have come down. You know, now we are dealing with the uh, political, societal, uh, you know, uh, consequences, uh, and the trial. You know, like the trial has not yet started. Uh, the investigation that was announced uh, yesterday by the uh, Palestinian Authority, PA government, in the day uh, of Benat's death, announced forming uh, uh, an investigation committee headed by a minister, uh, membership of a senior security official, uh, and two doctors. Two forensic doctors and uh, you know civic to uh, civic uh, uh, civil, uh, human rights and civil society type of uh, activists. All of those independent ones, the doctors and the uh, civil society uh, uh, experts, designed uh, did not work with the committee, and the committee ended up being basically the minister and the senior security officials. The resignations came upon the request from the family. And wider, I think, sense of distrust and suspicion that this committee formed by the government is not serious about this investigation. So that created another sort of like, and, and in my opinion, that was again another reflection of the level of deep um, uh, uh, mistrust and distrust actually in the, in the Palestinian society vis-a-vis -vis the government, the PA government. So they announced that the committee finished its work and now it's referring the case to the judicial uh, uh, authorities. And there was lots of criticism and lots of cynicism about having to have a government committee for five days deciding that at the end, 
of its work that you know an official judicial investigation needs to be launched. I mean, that's the, that's the fundamental basic step that you take in the immediate aftermath of such an incident or such a crime. Uh, when you have uh, enough proof that there was a crime committed, and when it's just in custody, there is no question about you know the possible and potential responsibility for security services. So what I'm saying is there was mismanagement, mishandling of, of the crisis since the beginning, but this did not go to the point where I see some sort of like front test reports and some people commenting from, from far that this is a situation where the PSAs are numbered and that this is actually, you know, similar to the situation in Egypt against Mubarak. I, I think there is lots of exaggeration in this. Things are piling up. I'm not sure, you know, how, how uh, hopefully we will not get to that point, how many other incidents and how many, uh, you know, how much uh, time will actually uh, pass to, re to get to that point. And I hope that this would not be the case. But, uh, you know, the uh, the incidents uh, around Benat's death has so far been contained. Uh, there is a potential for this to go if it's not managed uh, at the end uh, in a very professional, uh, decent, transparent way, holding uh, those responsible for his, for his death accountable. Uh, there could be acts of revenge, there could be acts of violence rather than uh, public uproar against uh, the government. I think that that part uh, um, we have passed, and I don't think that the other two political players that I mentioned have the capability or the you know the uh, the, the potential of mobilizing uh, enough number of people in the streets in the West Bank to actually topple the, uh, the the government or Fatah's control on it. We're talking about demands like accountability, transparency. You mentioned this committee, which basically failed to convene because the independent members resigned. So when we talk about some kind of accountability in the death of Nizar Banat, do you think that the demands of the protesters are actually things that the PA is capable of delivering? Yes, I do. I think that the, uh, you know, it's, it's about, uh, you know, like facing a moment of truth when you have a situation uh, like this. Uh, it's not just about, uh, you know, teasing, teasing, getting, you know, demonstrators or even the family. Uh, this is a very fundamental, basic uh, governance, uh, 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 good governance, basically, threshold uh, 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 that the, 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 the PA government, the PA leadership, in fact, uh, needs to pass. Otherwise, I think that the consequences at several levels will be uh, disastrous. Um, leaving aside the scenario of, uh, of toppling the Palestinian Authority, uh, I think that if the Palestinian Authority or like if, you know the factions uh, were to go to uh, elections, for example, I think that the average unaffiliated uh, voices in the Palestinian street will certainly you know, end Fatah's monopoly and control over, uh, you know, the PA system. That's actually where you have far, uh, if you like, reaching uh, consequences of acts uh, 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 like these, uh, of bad governance. Um, and even though it's not in the immediate calculation or calculus of the government or the leadership in that sense, but it's, in my opinion, is something that actually needs to be taken into account. Popularity of the PA, reputation of PA officials, uh, lack of transparency, uh, all these uh, factors have resonated in people's minds and 
you know, like any other society, those kind of people would, once given the chance and go to a ballot box, no one should be surprised that they will actually do talking to the uh, 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 to like government. An opposition party like Hamas mobilizing people in the streets to get to the point of coupling, creating chaos, coupling the PA is a far-fetched sort of like scenario that I don't think is materializing and don't really think is, uh, is happening, not after the result and after. And of course, elections, which you mentioned as one outlet for people to channel their frustrations, were scheduled for earlier this year and then canceled. I want to turn now to the question of the U.S.-Palestinian relationship. The United States has supported the Palestinian Authority security forces because those security forces play a role in coordinating with Israel. And that itself has been a point of contention uh, between some critics of the Palestinian Authority and the Palestinian leadership. So my question is... What, if anything, can the Biden administration do to play a constructive role here? I think it is uh, it is a big role that the Biden administration can actually play in this. Yes, the United States has been partner uh, in at different levels uh, to rebuilding the Palestinian security uh, forces since two thousand five, uh, to be specific, and. Um, uh, you know, there were uh, lots of uh, technical uh, training and other um, um, uh, sort of like support that were given to the Palestinian authorities uh, throughout the past 15 years, despite some of the uh, ups and downs in the, in the process. But basically, that's a strategic line uh, that has been taken since then. I think, and to be very honest, you know, on this point, and maybe subject for a different kind of debate, but the uh, you know, there are many loopholes in the process of rebuilding or having rebuilt the Palestinian security forces. These start from fragmented and different legal frameworks that govern the Palestinian security forces. Uh, the, the, there is lack, in my opinion, of proper training when it comes to human rights, civic, you know, uh, rights. You know, these kind of mistakes, if you will, uh, do happen everywhere, including like, you know, in the U.S., uh, 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 with, with George Floyd, for example, kind of uh, police brutality uh, case. It, it, the, the issue is that you need to have one transparent, fair system that actually holds, you know, those who commit such practices accountable. And two, you need to have in place, you know, the checks and balances that ensure that this would never repeat course or should not repeat course. But more importantly than both, I think, the, the introduction of other than technical support and training and vehicles and all of that logistical support, you need to have more serious uh, training on human rights and uh, civic rights, and definitely also on uh, you know dealing with uh, when it comes to riot control uh, and how you actually you know tactics and how you actually deal with uh, with those. Because at the end of the day, if the Palestinian system is not governed in in the Palestinian Authority, the secular, if you like, faction of the of the Palestinian political spectrum is not governed by a transparent uh, uh, good government system, then the alternative to it is not going to be better. In fact, it would be worse, not only to the Palestinians, but I think even to uh, other partners in the region. But we need to, I think the U.S. needs to give much more attention uh, to those issues, in addition to the technical and other forms of support that they give to the security forces. Right. The U.S. has boots on the ground 
on this issue with the U.S. security coordinator in Jerusalem, who plays an important role in facilitating this cooperation. You know, it's an interesting comparison you raise with the U.S. when we talk about accountability and mentioning George Floyd. Of course, the murder of George Floyd was a horrible uh, racist act, but I think that there is a difference here. Floyd wasn't a critic of the U.S. government or a critic of the city of Minneapolis uh, in the same way that people have pointed out that Nazar Banat was targeted for his activism and his politics. Just, just so you know, I didn't mean those kind of, you know, I understand the differences. I think, you know, it's only about how a police enforcement, how, how like a security enforcement, law enforcement uh, officer would handle uh, someone who was arrested and alive. Regardless of, you know, of course, the differences are very clear to me. I'm just saying that the Palestinian security services uh, uh, need to be uh, uh, trained in ways that, you know, preserving and, and respecting uh, uh, human life uh, regardless of the crime that has been committed in their view uh, is, is paramount. Because as we mentioned earlier, there were several other cases before. This is not an open case. Um, so I think that if you review that record, you will see the, the need highlighted. And, you know, I take back the comparison if it confuses people, because again, my point is not really about the circumstances. It's just once you, as a law enforcement, hold someone under your control, Anything beyond that point becomes uh, an abuse and, you know, you, you should be, must be his accountable. Of course, that's exactly the kind of approach that we would hope to see the Palestinian Authority take. Ibrahim, thank you for sharing your insights and your perspective, and thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>